Hello and welcome to Muse and Metrics. This is your host, Philippa Burgess. This is season five, episode one, and today's topic is Resilience is Key with tech founder Alexis Snelling. Hi, I'm Alexis Snelling. I am a Google Woman Tech Ambassador since 2019, so right before the pandemic. I'm so grateful to this community and meeting amazing women and also other Googlers from around the world. It's not just women who attend and participate in these events. So it's been an incredible community. What I do during the day time, or as they say, you're my day job. I am the CEO and founder of We Transact. We have a My Livestack and Skillville innovation platform. It's a social network with a purpose. We love communities. We are all about collaboration and how we can use this infrastructure and technology. We all have these devices in our hands. How can we use it so we can better connect and collaborate with taking action together. It's not just about social networks where you sit around and talk, but it's about doing and making that difference. I love that. So within, well, let's start with your role as a tech maker ambassador. You stepped into this and as did I, and there is a level that we're at when we apply and we're accepted into the program. And then there's another level we get to being in the program. It, I refer to it as being mentored by Google yeah. and the ability to network there and the resources that are available to us and the learning that's available to us and the growth that we get in this community. And I, I see there's a lot of parallels with Skillville and we transact and things that you're doing there, but let's, let's start the conversation and just your experience to date in the Women Tech Maker Ambassadors community. And we're gonna take some of that learning and then we'll apply it to you as a founder and talk more about your business and the opportunities there. I love that. I think my story for my experience actually starts even before the application. And I'm gonna share this because it's something that I hope to inspire others. Um, I didn't think I would be a Google woman tech maker ambassador. I didn't think I would get accepted. <laughs> um, in my mind, I had separated myself out into a different bucket, right? So I was putting myself into, okay, my other co-founder, who's my husband, he's the technical co-founder. And so right from day one, I saw it come up in my feed and even think twice that, oh, that's something I could apply for. And I'm a woman <laughs> and I'm in tech. Um, so that was something that I'm so grateful. It was actually my husband who kept sending me and saying, apply for this. You'd be great for this. So ironically, the the push and the, the support I had to even get into the program came from my husband and um, from that co-founder who had the technical background. And I think that's a lot of women in tech. We don't always recognize it as that, or we think we have to have some credential um, that is such a far away level of where we're at. And we often don't give ourselves credit for what we have accomplished in our communities and what we are doing in technology. Um, so I think that's the first thing I want to share in terms of my experience. I'm so glad that I just did it. At the end of the day, 
it's a short application, but it's really about showcasing what it is you're doing um, for your community and how you're inspiring, leading, connecting, sharing, growing, all these things, like you said, we are very much doing with our company. It's very mission aligned. So I knew the mission alignment was there, but really I'm so grateful that others encouraged me to even apply. So I, I would want to share that story um, because I think that really changed the trajectory of the, the last three years of my life for sure. Absolutely. And actually even let's even go back a, further to a whole life because I understand this I, not being in tech, but not always identifying in tech. And I think for me, I remember learning HTML and building websites in 1992 when I started college and it, the internet was new. Email was new. I was, I'd moved across country to go to USC. My friends were back East and at colleges around the country and we had email. It was our way of staying in touch. It was brand new. And I discovered the web and I was like, this is really cool. And I'd like to prop up a website, but I, you had to hand code it. Mm -hmm. And I've always been technically inclined. I, I Most of it being using the software, yeah. but I had a creative journey. And I think a lot of people you know, saw me as a creative person. And I always felt when I engaged with people who were scientists, they were very clear, like I'm in science, I'm in, in and that expands to technology. And I never felt included. There was like, you're over there. You're one of the artist people. Go over there. And it yeah. didn't feel welcoming or inclusive. And now that I'm studying it in an academic environment and I'm owning, I have, as of this week, I will have a certificate in geographic information science and technology, so which is a one-year university program. I also am continuing a master of science. So I'm like, I'm in science now. You can't yeah. exclude me from this. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. And I've and so with that, I've always been in digital marketing. I've always been an early adopter. I may not have been writing the the software, but I was certainly utilizing it. Uh, a huge amount of our technical training now is in uh, working with software for mapping technologies. Yeah, but I, I had a long career in the arts and entertainment. I had a long career in digital and content marketing. And then I'm now beginning my third career and have done this academic reset and really owning my identity as a woman in STEM, woman in tech, and then wanting to mentor, empower, and inspire others. Yeah. You also have had, well, a journey as an athlete and as- yeah, another a, bucket. Another I, bucket. <laughs> I refer to that also as creative because all athletes have showmanship. You can't get out in front of, you're performing. There's an audience. A thousand percent. I mean, in, in figure skating, I was a competitive um, ice dancer. And this is a huge part of my training background because I actually lived and moved across the country and the world to train with different experts and different teams. And so the idea of what a team is, um, a lot of people think, oh, figure skating is a single sport or maybe with a, a partner, which I was both. I did single and partner, but you don't realize how many people go into that team. And so that is something that definitely um, I loved the training environments in the Olympic training centers, but it was something that is another area. So when you're in sport and figure skating, you have a technical and an artistic score. And that 
exemplifies exactly what you're saying is once you reach a certain mastery of the skill, it's no longer or a technology or physics, mastery of physics in action, which is like doing the maneuvers. Once you're technically sufficient, profound, uh, expert level, whatever that 10,000 hours, there's lots of ways to say it. Whenever you're there, now it's like, how do you get into the flow state? And we hear so much about flow state. And that's when the art and the creativity and all of these other things now can become expressive. Now it can be something that communicates and connects. And that is much more the beauty of the human side of it is um, not just the physical or the technical, but the emotional and, and what makes us so unique as humans, which is sharing and inspiring and passing on either a feeling or a story or an idea. Um, and, and so it is very much, um, yeah, at the, at the core, if you start looking at things a little bit differently, less about the boxes everybody else puts it into so that they can, you know, list you on the ESPN sports or whatever it is. But you really start looking at what the sport is designed and, you know, communicating and, and more as an artistic outlet. Um, I'm so grateful for that early experience to really show me a positive environment of where you could reach your ultimate potential if you chose to. That's inspiring. And I, I can't even imagine how hard and how long you trained. I mean, there is so much that goes into time and effort. To yeah, training is a discipline. Um, I, I think we, we definitely uh, not everybody tells the story because there's so much around the sport to talk about, but the training behind a figure skater in particular is it's close to eight hours a day on ice, off ice, whether it's uh, actually skating or Pilates or ballet or jazz or ballroom or all the other things that are required. Um, and then, of course, you maybe get one day off, a day and a half off. Um and, and then there's all the psychological training that goes on when you get to the high, higher levels. So whether that is mental visualization or all the things that go into psychology and neuro strategy behind it, um, it's very interesting. You know, if you're able to make it to that, that level in the sport, again, where you get beyond, okay, I can do it. Now it's like being able to call upon your skills when the moment in the moment i think you understand that in arts and entertainment there's a difference between when you record something uh or you have lots of takes and you can edit it you know that's like a, a different process but when it's live um it's it's really you can't think about it at that point it's it's really got to be in that moment and again in that flow you talked about that flow state so then can i ask you to connect that flow state but before you get to that flow state, you talked about the training, the training to get to that flow state yes. of being a founder, because yeah. being a founder is its own journey. And there's there's at least eight hours a day that goes into that one. <laughs> Way more. Way, Way more. more. In, in truth, even as an athlete, when you're not in the eight hours, that's the one you're required to be doing things. But you're always mentally there, too. And I think that definitely is very similar to an entrepreneur, at least what it takes. I don't think a lot of people fully realize that, you know, they think as an entrepreneur, oh, I work for myself. And it's like, well, there's a difference when you're an entrepreneur because you really are responsible for every part 
of the business, every decision, every guiding where your team goes, making sure your team has what they're doing. It, it, we joke, we say in our family with my husband, it's like, it's our baby, you know, and it's true. It's like, you are raising a child. It takes that much nurturing. It is a 24 seven thing. Even if you're <laughs> only working on it at certain hours or times, you're always working on it because there's more than any entrepreneur can do by themselves. And that's where the team part growing your team is so important um, because there aren't enough hours in the day for all the work that needs to be done. And you have to have the discipline and, and the resilience. So I think the biggest correlation beyond discipline and being able to put in that amount of focus and time and determination is resilience. And, and that is one thing from skating I can say my entire life have built up that resilience muscle because if you don't use it, you lose it. I believe that in life. And resilience is the key because in skating, you fall, you get right back up and fall and fall and fall. If you were to count all the times that you, um, I couldn't even imagine how many times where we fall and, and yet we get back up and, and you're always just a step closer. One fall gives you more information to now go back and try it differently. Or when that fall gave you more information to maybe go back, tweak something else. Maybe it's, you're not eating well, maybe it's, you're tired. So I think that process of learning yourself, evaluating yourself, objectively but in a proactive way you're trying to solve a problem we don't want to fall <laughs> so as an entrepreneur you're trying to solve a problem and then there's something blocking you getting to that and then you focus on okay how do we fix that and then you have to tinker and you have to try scientifically like okay was it this was it this does this work because there there isn't a roadmap it's you learning how to navigate and you learning how to really have a repetitive process that you could increase your odds that you're going to get through and you're going to make it to that next step because it's just like life. There's always something you're going to be working on or need to figure out. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yes. And with that, you were talking about, it just reminded me I'm in these uh, YouTube communities because that's kind of one of the things I want to sort of take my next journey. And they were, and the way I articulate it is, in this is this group is very much about just hit record, just start. <laughs> so it was it was not committing to recording, learning, iterating, and earning. It was that was sort of the the steps. If there was an iterative process here, and you think you know the solution when you founded a company, but but you won't know until you put it out there, and then people respond to it and give you feedback. Yeah. And I'm sure there's an iterative process to really looking at a product and I've just been participating in creating an audio summit for Google IO extend. Yes. And I am watching the videos. I didn't, I, I didn't go to IO connect. And so I'm now kind of playing catch up and in watching the videos, I am realizing just, I remember Google as search and then I remember Google as email. And then I remember, <laughs> and then I remember they acquired YouTube. But yeah. now seeing where the company is today and all the verticals that they're in, I was buying a new TV and Google TV. I was like, I forgot I wasn't even in my mind that Google has become such a behemoth and is in all these verticals. And then looking at everything that's coming out with AI and all the opportunities for developers to sort of build on these platforms. 
and where BART is going next and how BART is really integrated with images because that's something you don't get with ChatGPT. Yeah. And so I think that just being a founder, you have this vision of what you can create, but you also have this iterative process and you in some ways don't know what you're going to become. Bezos yeah. is an example of that too. I mean, he tried yeah. many things and, and fell down, yeah. but he had strong resilience until it was not the toy shop that he thought it was going to be or the bookstore that he thought it was going to be. It became, that was included in it, but yeah. that's such a small part of what it is today. And of course you have Amazon web services. Yeah. Amazon is much larger than just the delivery service. Oh, definitely. And you know, I think that, that, is partly why I always refer to it. Maybe it's because I'm a woman or whatever, but thinking about it as a baby is the same idea. You don't tell your child what personality they're going to have. <laughs> it's you're, The child's born with that. And there is a life inside art and creation. And there's a, a life that's inside a new idea or a business that you're creating. And you're exactly right, because there's so many factors in the world that shape and mold what that's going to look like and, and what that's going to like grow up to be. And you, you really have to get out of silos. And I think that's a big thing about being able to listen, make sure you're not in an echo chamber. If it's just you as a founder saying, this is how it's going to be, it has to be like this you know, you're, you're really maybe not seeing the vantage point, like you said, from the market, from consumers, maybe even from other advisors or people, how it impacts them. I think that's one thing in the world that's so exciting about technology. It, you know, we were at this level of being able to use it and to create the ideas, but to go to market is not about the technology or the tool. It's the technical score. The going to market is now the artistic score. How do you communicate that to your audience? How do they feel it? You know, you may think you're communicating this way and they're like, oh, no, that's offensive. Or no, we love it and we have to have it. And or we want one thing not I, you know, and so that feedback, getting out of your silo, that is when you're creating, whether you're communicating in my life through dance and you hear that feedback of the applause or the feedback of the judges and the score and the recognition, whether it's the feedback of how I felt when I landed, you know, that jump or that lift. And I just, I knew it felt good. Uh, there's all sorts of feedback signals. And I think that's the human component that's so exciting about technology and that excites me is that this is a tool that can convey human feeling, communication, ideas, and connection. If you know you can really start to value that, um, I think that's the limitless potential, right? And so then you become less worried about AI. You hear a lot of, you know, pros and cons of AI. Well, any tool can be used for good and bad, but I think the potential for human connection is even greater with the tools. And I love the way that Google is really. Um, being responsible, providing us the tools, providing communities of support as we discover that, listening to us. Again, that conversation, that dialogue, whether it's, you know, learning how to use the tool, finding a community that you can help each other figure it out together, inspire each other with how we're all using it and the potential of it. Uh, 
I think that's the beautiful part of Google Women Tech Makers is we have very creative, innovative, out of the box or lots of boxes like us <laughs> in our lives coming together. And that's the intersection where, again, it's less about the technology, which is why I didn't think I would necessarily be a good tech maker, you know, and it's more about what are you going to do with it? How are we going to change the world with it? And I think for me, that's what's been so rewarding about the community is you develop, I think, a tangibility. Things aren't so far away. Things are actually accessible. I feel empowered that I can do something. Uh, it's not just this behemoth Google. <laughs> like, I actually know people at Google now. And I actually know women and, like, people from all over the world like you who are doing amazing things. And there's something about just having access and the ability to be in the room is so important because it gives us, I think on a human level permission to go out and, and do it. Um, you know, this theme this year was dare to be. So I think that fits in really well with the theme of international women's day this year. So this year, um, when it came out for me, it was dare to be, uh, in terms of collective coming together, collaborating and making impact. I didn't want to dare to be like, it's about me. I want to dare to be that it's not about me. It's about us and it's about our communities. And if we're going to dare to be and we're going to make a difference in, you know, the world or the next generation or just your own community, some problem that you're facing, we have to dare to be together. We have to come together. We have to discuss these things. We have to identify them. And it's really that I think one thing from from COVID and the lockdown that I saw was a lot of obviously as a founder, founder isolation was a very publicly discussed thing. It's always been there, but at least it was coming out, right? And it was coming out because of these stories. So I think dare to be for me was in order for me to take that next step wherever I want to go, um, you need you, you never take it alone. And so I really wanted to dare with our events. And what we did is we created this online celebration, dare to be, that would be inspiring, bring people together digitally, make it very accessible um, so that no matter where you are, you have to, you don't feel isolated. The collaboration, the community, and really after this celebration, what we did is we had our template of our event, kind of what videos we did, reflections, things we talked about. It was a lot more about like talking with each other, peer-to-peer -peer feedback, sharing stories, being heard. Um, so that was different from our previous years where we did a lot more panels or, uh, you know, workshop. This was really able to kind of get more human and hopefully make people feel like they could really get to know people in that room. Um, and that was really, really powerful. So that template, we then passed on to other Google Women Tech Makers to keep the torch going and think about, okay, now... How can we sustainably give this so all the things we learned from this event, you don't have to figure it out yourself. <laughs> and maybe somebody else will pick up that template and use it. And they did. We had over 10 different Google women tech makers and leaders and it even extended outside of the tech maker community. We had Positive Planet get involved and some other organization. We had student developer clubs get involved. So it was fun to see the collaborations across GDG programs. Um, and so from that, 
standpoint, the experiment was successful. <laughs> the template idea was like, okay, we had this great event. So why should it just die at the end of the event? Like it should live on. And so thinking about it, like the Olympic torch, like you pass the torch and then the next person takes it to the next village. It was like, okay, well, if we template this, we did everything online. So what if I handed this template, um, think of it kind of like as a run of show of how you could run this program yourself, then they could take it, copy it. They could tweak it a little bit themselves, you know, give them the room to really like put their own local flavor on it or, you know, but the idea is keep that dare to be theme alive and, and also that it doesn't stop. Like it keep this going because I'm always curious, you know, we had such great conversations from the event one-on-one -on -one with just the four or five people, maybe in our little breakout group, but wouldn't it be cool to hear everybody else's breakout groups, you know, like that fly on the wall idea. And, and so that's really where the templates were like, wow, if we could do this, then there may be a way potentially if we got it all in the same platform, <laughs> um, that we can all keep these conversations and these stories to continually inspire and, and have that user-generated content, meaning things that they answered or talked about that they choose to share, could continue to share. And it's it was just a really kind of fun idea that came out of our recap session. Again, communicating with others. I followed up with the other leaders who had hosted their own events. I said, hey, how did it go? What did you like? What worked? What didn't work? You know, you, you need that honest feedback. And it came out of one of those discussions. So again, the back and forth, the connection, the human feedback is where so many of these really cool ideas germinate from because we all have different superpowers. And when you start putting them together, it, it sometimes takes off. All <laughs> you do, the you level up, even if you fail, even if you fall. It, it's, you need to just build those muscles. Yep. I applaud what you've done during the pandemic, you know, taking that leap, taking that first step. Uh, that's really, I had to be pushed into the Google Women Tech Makers. I'm so glad I was, but you know, that's a, that's a hard leap sometimes. And for some people it's, it's not, um, but we all have those moments and it's often those most challenging and difficult leaps that we make. We just push through or do it anyways that uh, end up being, you know, the most rewarding we learn the most from. It's a huge, huge part of that, like founder isolation, founder wellness, taking care of yourself. And during the pandemic, we felt it quite a bit because there was such a slowdown in funding and investing uh, during the pandemic. And so it did affect a lot of startups, um, you know, being able to offer it or even to keep going. Um, so, yeah, depending on what size of a startup, health insurance is so important because you don't even realize the peace of mind it provides until you don't have it. And of course, that's when like you get sick, right? That's when you need the insurance. <laughs> you get sick when you don't have it. So I don't know what that Murphy's law is, you know, <laughs> but that seems to be the case. And absolutely, it's one of the, the big um, things that can keep you up at night. Um, you know, those things that you might take for granted when you have a corporate job, they're just provided automatically. Yeah. Yeah, and so you have to both health insurance, cash flow, all of those things that you have to take into account as a founder. If, and just starting the new semester, 
I was keenly aware of things. I definitely was looking at things because I was in this mentally new space. Yeah. And I, I saw the first one that came through was a scholarship for the intelligence community. Mm-hmm. And I have no, let's be clear. I spent a career in Colorado working in the cannabis and CBD industry. Yeah. But I decided, I was like, you know what? This looks interesting. I will apply because I had spent the better part of 2022 microblogging on TikTok in support of Ukraine. And I was like, hey, I have an undergrad in international relations. I have an interest in geopolitics. So let's see what I can do here. And I was accepted. And then I (laughs) I spent the this past year being mentored by the IC community. And then yeah. very shortly thereafter, I found the application for Google Women Tech Makers. And I was like, sure, why not? And it was yeah. that sense of, I'm just, this is all new to me and I'm not really sure where I'm going with this. And then the third thing and probably the, the, the biggest piece of that was taking my certificate program and deciding, hey, okay, I'm feeling like I'm getting a handle about this, but there's so much more that I need right now. And I'm going to go ahead and apply for the full second master's. And that I was actually, then I kind of worked it out with them that I'm like, no, I won't, because they just were absorbed my coursework into that. And I'm like, no, 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 I want the certificate. I'll take the extra classes. And then I want the master's. And they're like, okay, cool. That works. And so as of the this week, I'm finishing the GIST certificate. So I'm certified. And then I'm continuing on with this master's of science in human security and geospatial intelligence. Yeah. And that is in the intelligence community and in technology. Yeah. And so now I couldn't be more pleased that I am being, as I kind of refer to it, mentored by Google and by the intelligence community. Yeah. And so I have this whole little sort of niche that I'm pursuing, which is geoint, which is um, geographic uh, intelligence uh, related to AI and machine learning. Yeah. And, and sort of technology. And so that's one of the, the niche channels that I'm sort of wanting to roll out is a conversation that is just specifically focused on this intersection of intelligence and technology, which wouldn't have happened if I didn't just hit apply and hit apply. Right. And that's, that's why I want, I'm so glad you're sharing that story, you know, because you just need to do it. I think this is a moment in the world where so many things are possible that there aren't enough people <laughs> you know in the arena we need everybody in the arena we need everybody's ideas we need everybody's you know interests to be focused and honed because what you're saying is exactly right like don't let your past experience limit you think about what skills that brings or maybe what you would like to do in the future. I think it's all about your potential. That's something we believe very greatly in our company is it's not about your resume and who you are on paper anymore. It's about who you want to be, who you want to collaborate with and how you're going to level up together and where you're going from here or where you'd like to go. Um, It's more about the future. And it is from a data perspective and being able to, you know, change your outcomes or predict from data what's happening. But these are all things that are very exciting right now. And I think people just need to give themselves permission. I mean, talking to myself back in the beginning, I would have been like, what's the harm? Just fill out an application. 10 minutes of your life could change it. 
I was actually thrilled that because I shared it with my department and one of my professors applied and then one of my professors forwarded me her acceptance email. And I was like, that's so cool that my PhD professor is now uh, a, uh, a Google Women Tech Makers ambassador. So I immediately was, said, well, you know, offline, we're, I'll share with you my experience and ways that we can collaborate. So very pleased with that outcome. And so cool. You, you bring up, a, uh, you're actually reminding me of garbage men. And I want to talk about garbage men for a second, because what you were saying about thinking about the future reminds me of alignment. And I referenced this hyper growth company because I was, I was there for five years. and It was absolutely a huge learning curve for me. I didn't go to business school, but man, I learned a lot there. <laughs> they don't and teach you the real world, how it really works. <laughs> they teach you well, the theory. <laughs> but, well, yeah. they, they actually were all using one book as sort of their management Bible, teaching them how to lead and manage. And it's and I read that book and I really loved it. And I do think every founder, if you're looking for an actual manual, the book uh, Scaling Up is excellent, especially if you're in that growth stage. Yeah. And where I reference Garbage Men is the, one of their sections is getting the right people in the right jobs. And yeah. there was a Irish company, garbage, garbage company, and they were just having trouble hiring. They just weren't finding the staff they needed. Yeah. And then they found one guy who was super enthusiastic about this job. Yeah. And he he was all about it. And they're like, who are you and yeah. why? And when you're talking about, talking about the future, it's also talking about alignment. Yeah. He was a lightweight boxer. He loved getting up at 4 a.m. And this was his workout. Yeah. He loved yeah. getting off early and then going to the gym and doing his actual tra like tr gym training. But he'd yeah. already had his morning workout with this job. It was so <laughs> perfectly aligned for him. That's it. And they were like, oh, we get it now. We would like more people like you who yeah. this is a benefit to their yeah. lives and the schedule works for them. Like yeah. they, that it, it's aligned personally and professionally. And I think a lot more people are talking about that. Yeah. One of the future challenges that I am considering is the fact that I'm now keenly aware that I have parents in their mid 80s. They live on opposite coasts. I was yeah. living in the middle but I had a breakup that led me home. And I refer to myself as a caretaker, not a caregiver, because I take the care that I get from my parents. <laughs> but I'm also at the ready to help in all ways, help with bills, help a lot of technology and a lot of security and making sure they're not getting scammed and yeah. all sorts of things. But I look at my life now as this sort of online grad student, stay-at-home daughter. Yeah. I have health insurance. I have enough cash flow. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Where do I work with this tri-city life that I have? And that's yeah. where I'm leaning in online because I'm like, my thinking is at least if I can figure out this video thing, I have this background in entertainment, but you can't put that on a resume. It means nothing to anybody. The only way you can do it is to actually do it, to showcase, oh, I learned a few things. Let me apply them, learn more. And yeah. I figure at the end of my schooling, I'll either have a very nice portfolio or I'll actually have a career. Yeah. And it will be its own thing. And that's that's why this is so important to me to level up and to take this all to the next level and to collaborate is yeah. this idea that I'm I it's thinking of the future, but it's also thinking about alignment, like that we yeah. are more conscious about the mental health issues. We're more conscious about especially as women, especially as women, 
what works for our personal and our professional lives. Yeah. How do we put that all together? Um, this whole conversation about, you know, what is work from home versus what is hybrid. I'm fine with this concept of hybrid if you want me in a local office for six weeks, but then I'm going to leave town. It's not like, oh, you can work from home for two days around the corner. And I don't like commuting anymore. I have no yeah. desire to spend an hour in the car each way. Yeah. I've done that. And I don't really want to do that again. Yeah. So there's 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 sort of new boundaries that I have. I, I refer to it as ageism. I'm like, you're not judging me. I'm judging you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and that's part of it is now it's like, how do we find that alignment? And it becomes a little tricky using like, older systems that maybe only see us as that resume or those buckets because they're going to say, oh, this is a good match for you. But they don't take into consideration those other layers of who you are. Like you just said, I need to be in three cities. There's nothing on LinkedIn that says I need to be in three cities. You've got one city that goes under your profile, <laughs> you know, and most likely you're going to use the city that you think is going to help you with whatever your career choice might be at that point or where you want people to see you from. And um, we really are in an era now where that digital freedom is amazing, but we have some challenges with, okay, well now these older systems that were designed when we used to only live in one place or, you know, maybe not have all these other layers. You could just be working and come home at night and have dinner. You know, this like American dream of what it is nine to five that doesn't necessarily exist anymore. And so well, I was stopping you there because I actually realized when I actually, cause I'd always done a lot of contract work or worked for myself. And then when I had this yeah. job, I was like, wait, we're not having a nine to five. Cause they're like, Oh, you need to be here at seven 30 and Oh, you don't leave till six. And, 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 you know, and, and then there's the hour lunch break, but we feed you, we bring food to the office. So you sit at your desk and work through desk. I'm like, there's no nine to five here. Uh, it, was, no. it was not like, and it was, there was because the lunch hour, they expect you like that doesn't count, even though you're working at your desk. So, yeah. I mean, technically, we could call it eight to five or you could call it yeah. nine to six. But there's absolutely I have not seen nine to five. And then no. the other, you know, historically, if you say, well, first of all, if you go historic, historic, the family worked together on the farm or in the carpentry shop or the, yeah. the, the whatever they are, where they, they were a family business. You worked from home together as a family. And, but then one man went out to work. But housing, in theory, was affordable enough that you could live really relatively close to your work. Now the we've all got totally different outpriced yeah. of the housing market, and so to then have a location where both people, husband and wife, who both need to work because you need both oh. incomes, and yeah. that it's commuter friendly to both people. Yeah, it, we're, it's 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 getting more and more. The cost of commute is higher. The cost to <laughs> you know not just economically, but now we're looking at our planet and the, the cost, cost of the environment of commuting is, is yeah. expensive. It I mean, it's to add up and people are changing those ways. Right. And we're demanding and expecting, okay, this isn't the outcome I want. This isn't the, the dream I'm willing to chase after. And yeah, finding that alignment that's right for you, your values. Well, one, it takes discovering what your values are. And two, it's then trying to find others who align with that, which is why it's so grateful that we uh, have communities that are specific, like Google Women Tech Makers, very specific to really what this group is about, 
how we try to have our impact in the communities and, and bring those these conversations really to the forefront so that we could have a positive ripple effect um, in what we're doing and make sure that we have not just representation, but we're really helping each other level up. And I think that's what's so exciting. As you said, Google mentoring you, um, we also mentor each other. And I think that's one thing that's so exciting about working with Google is that their mentors there are so humble and have so much humility and that makes you realize, oh, I have some values here. I have some things to bring to the community. And that's rare in a group. A lot of times, maybe there's just like a leader and everybody reveres that leader. And what I love about, or at least the communities that align with my values are ones that it's about uh, respect, about acknowledging everybody's superpowers, about what we have a common goal that we're trying to accomplish that brings us all together. Uh, and so those are the things that I think, whether it's alignment for your lifestyle, your job, the communities, how you spend your time, this is where the future's going. It's not leaving after the pandemic or going back the way things are. People really have to, and there's so many reasons why, but uh, I think I'm very excited about the fact that this is the new direction for sure changes i think that's what's so crazy is none of us expected the pandemic right we the the really great thing about having the community is, and others sharing their stories is you never know when that's going to be relevant to you or maybe really important to you um or something you needed to hear right at that exact moment just holistically as a as humans communicating with each other there's not just, hey, we could do this to solve our situation, but it's like, are you okay? <laughs> How are you feeling while you're going through this? You know, and I think that balance now of like realizing, okay, if we could remove some of the stressors, uh, if we could acknowledge more how we feel as we're going through this process, that that's where there's so much room for exciting innovation and improving hey, I know this is a hard transition when you're starting a new career, you're like you are starting your new business, or there's a transition where you're learning something, working with really care. I like how you said caretaking for your parents. I have a similar situation too, but things in life pop up. And so being able to really be resilient, be able to adapt, but have those communities that you could tap into. And I think that's kind of the investment in terms of surrounding yourself with aligned communities so that when moments do happen, you know, they're going to give you so much um, if you're at, if it's really a community that you're aligned with. And, and it's all about finding, as I say, your tribe, but it's true. You really do need to find that so that, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's one of those, keep in mind, like all founder stories, uh, everything appears like a huge success, right? That's, but it's not. And it takes lots of time and lots of years to get to this point. So I'm going to share just the abridged version because we're so excited about where we are and where we're going now. Uh, because, yeah, that aha moment you had where you saw that superpower, that was something that I always felt too uh, throughout my various careers when you go into one industry and you rise to a certain level and then you go to a different industry and you're jumping maybe from industries according to other people, right? 
but actually if you're seeing your through line what really connects you between all that um you're being really true to who you are and your alignment and you're you're reaching actually closer to like your full potential and this is something that i've always seen um my co-founder and my husband david has already always experienced too and it's something that we really wanted to create a, a better way to be seen for your skills and that's really where the products that we were testing and evolving with collaborating and working turned into Skillville, which is now our, our big release that's coming up. We have our beta right now, but it, it's really centralized around that very same idea that aha moment you have is when you find that aha or you're in the right place at the right time with the right resources you need and everything clicks. It's, it's just something that is so life-changing and it can change the trajectory of where you go for the rest of your life or where you're going to go for the next journey of your life. And right now during the pandemic, a lot of people are at that those crossroads. And so it just seemed like the right moment in time where a lot of people are going through this or reevaluating it. Technology is also giving us more freedom to consider maybe a crossroads we wouldn't have ever considered before, maybe before we thought we were stuck. Uh, so that is really what's exciting about Skillville. It's a collaborative social network where we can all help each other level up, but also it's designed in a way that is free form enough for you to explore all these different interests and really connect with different tribes for a specific thing that you want to try to learn or accomplish. You were part of that real estate group. It didn't quite feel right, but you needed to be a part of that group to figure that out. And so the idea of circles is that, you know, you could do that without having to like, you know, maybe commit to a four year degree <laughs> or, you know, we, we need to do those things to experiment. And I think that that's a big thing is I think a lot of learning is there's a perception that, oh, it's in the ivory tower, it's behind the degree. And I see how much information is available. And essentially, the courses that I'm in, yeah. they're a series of books that you read, a series yeah. of articles that you read, you, yeah. you process the information, you answer some questions, you have discussions about it. Uh, there's a lecture that ties it all together and says, why are we reading this thing? And it's kind of, here are some of the key things I want to point out and, and sort of gives you high level summary of all of the, the, the connecting themes. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of reflection on, and, and, and there is a process, but there, it parallels so many free or low cost resources that are out there. Right. And in my education, I'm hearing certain things a lot over and over again, yeah. and I've, I'm taking them to heart, which is, hey, you want to do spatial data science, you really need um, statistics, you really need calculus. And that was just never included in my academics. But yeah. it's available for me to learn through Khan Academy. Yeah. Um, I can ask ChatGPT and Bard lots of questions about it as I'm learning. Yeah. I have for free downloaded every time I see these books and they're yeah. available, I download them. And so I now have, I have a library probably of over 700 data science books and math books and other things yeah. Now I need to kind of lean in and, and, and collect them and gather them and organize them. Yeah. And, um, and then also 
websites and I just like I have so much that just I've been yeah. just gathering that is either part of my studies or adjacent to my studies that I want to learn. Same thing with the intelligence yeah. community. Everybody values foreign languages. And so I've been leaning into my foreign language study. Yeah. So these are things that I'm completely doing on my own. On your own. And, and yet. And they're so important. Yes. Like everything you're doing. And you're they, designing your own degree to get you to where you want to go. You're like handpicking the different skills and putting them together because what you're doing is so unique. There isn't like an ivory tower degree that's exactly what you want to do, but you're you're pulling together all the right resources for yourself. I'm definitely figuring it out, and I think yeah. that uh, you know there's a, there's a part of me that has uh, and we talk just kind of as we're kind of wrapping this up. Let's 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 visit some of the leadership skills and some of the leadership skills we've looked at in my leadership class is that leadership div divides into or you can say there's four categories of leadership that we can articulate and kind of discuss. One is strategic leadership. And the second is operational leadership. And I love this class because it actually reminded me that these skills exist in one person in one organization. And I've always had these conversations with my father who sees them as separate. He's like, are you the strategic person? Or are you the operational person? And as a marketer, I have learned that the best marketing you will ever do is excellent operations. Do what you say you're going to do. Treat your employees well. Like just button things up. Have good operations. And because I, as a marketer, I was sort of done putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah, yeah. And that is where I was like, if you guys don't tighten up your operations, all the most beautiful marketing isn't going to solve your problems. So I think that to me, when I was in this, they were like, no, no, you can be both strategic and operational in one mind and one person, I was like, yeah. yes, because that's who I am. I can be high level strategic, but I'm operations. I'm like, if I say we're going to do something, then we get it done. Finding that right fit is so important. And the ad, definitely from a management leadership position, the historic, most recent historic uh, kind of primary models are, are definitely kind of, those are separate roles, but that's so becoming outdated, I hope. <laughs> and then the other two, and I think that I'm seeing in some of the other, especially the Google IO interviews I've done recently, is a lot of the learning and the growth that's happening for these women who are new, and I say new kind of in the last year, uh, Google Women Tech Makers, is really owning their identity as thought leaders mm -hmm. and as uh, bridge building leaders. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that is a huge thing of definitely connected with Google Women Tech Maker ambassadors. I mean, that's like part of their superpower toolkit for sure. It's like the technical and the artistic score, right? You know, one's going to make sure it operationally happens and it keeps going or whatever the strategy is. We know where we're going. We know where we're driving the ship. And then you've got the other side, which is, you know, making sure everybody on the ship is you know, not having a mutiny or this, <laughs> like, you know, like it, it, it's like, it's interesting to see that it's the similar dynamic because it's the human component and you cannot undervalue or estimate that human component. And we're seeing right now the human component really kind of having its resurgence because people are expecting and demanding more of how they're treated. And they're, you know, I think that's pushing leaders to have to acknowledge that. Um, and it's interesting to 
see those changes happening. But I think the leaders of tomorrow will definitely have that in their superpower toolkit or at least hire people who do and, and empower them with those superpowers. As a human, don't disrespect me. This is when I work. This is when I don't work. And if, you know, setting those boundaries, having clear, common expectations are all part of it. But managers and different groups are really going to have to familiarize themselves with the community dynamics now that we're living in a virtual world or a hybrid world. They're different. And so they're living by these community engagement tools, uh, which may work in a classroom or in the old corporate office when you're required to be there. And, you know, but they don't work in a hybrid or digital world. And I think, again, having the understanding of the differences in those cultures, um, it's something we're all learning and sharing. Like there is no answer to this. In fact, communities are fascinating. But it is something you have to be able to define for yourself and your organization and with your teams, have everybody on the same page and and know it's going to evolve and let it evolve because otherwise these conflicts come up where you've got, you know, both sides have their own perspective on it. And yet really the failure is that they don't have an environment that's conducive to both of their goals happening. Transparency, accountability like communicating, <laughs> like all these things, they're so much more important now than ever because, again, technology is enabling us to expect it. We expect to be able to see things. We expect that they follow through. Like all of these expectations happen because technology, when we buy something online, we get a tracking number, we get a receipt, we get a, it's in writing. Like, so it's interesting as technology evolves, the culture evolves, and then the expectations need to evolve. And that means the communities and how they manage those expectations also have to evolve. So it's, you, it's a, it's a wonderful kind of leveling up of the whole macro of how the world works. But yeah, you got to be ready to adapt and acknowledge that like things have changed more in the last 10 years than the previous 50. You know, one thing that you were talking about, we kind of started in the beginning was like talking about how we have to start as like what we're doing and what we're trying to work on. And that's actually our first couple tabs in because I was thinking about how does our digital environment kind of mimic this? And it's tasks, things I'm doing that are specific to me resources that are relevant. So instead of seeing all of it, like the 200 books that you were saying, it's only going to pick out the books that are relevant to what you're working on right now. So that blinders on, so you don't get analysis paralysis. That really resonated when you shared that with me. And then staying up to date as like things change and reflection and feedback loops. Yeah, sometimes you don't want to answer those things in the group or in that meeting. And so being able to do it privately here, I just realized our tabs kind of like mimic and like seeing all the different circles you're a part of, like you're exploring the language over here and you're exploring, you know, like all of these things, like this is kind of the world that we created so that we could digitally connect with people. Um, and, and really what's so cool about what you're describing is being able to have a personal area and being able to have a circle area where you actually can engage with people together and have conversations that are aligned. 
and being able to connect with people and, you know, see those things are really, really powerful tools. And, you know, this is kind of like one of the things I just wanted to share because I feel like what you're describing, being able to have an area where you could be you, being able to have an area where you can get together with other people and you could have these aha moments. It's interesting how what you're describing in like how you empower people to have this space, that that's actually a parallel to what it is that we created and what we do, but in a way that I haven't even looked at it before. <laughs> so your stories today, I was like, every time you're just Describing a story, I was thinking of where it would live <laughs> in here. And, you know, that is, it's just something that I wanted to share because I think storytelling, connecting, talking, this peer to peer is part of the magic sauce that corporate in the past maybe has not encouraged. And that is actually more human than anything else we're doing. And I feel like the more we can connect ourselves, even if it's 10 minutes, it's even if it's three o'clock in the morning, you really have to be able to, to access that when you need it. And it's because we're all different. And we're also human in terms of what our needs are and how those are going to change and our needs are at different times. And so I think that's kind of what we're realizing is there's a, there's this need for like human connection that needs to happen around these things. And it's not so rigid it's more agile like this. You kind of like switch between your personal curiosities and what you're working on and maybe also something else you're exploring and, and having a space where you could kind of do change between those things and really get into that flow state. Like, you know, I did when in sports or in other things, I think that's really important because the more you're in that flow, the more you're kind of, kind of connect with, the right tribe or the right information or put them, put it together. But I think it's just that what you're describing is this leveling up that you've been doing the pandemic. You've been able to experiment with that on your own, despite all the obstacles of exploring, finding, discovery, like you have bulldozed down all those opportunities for yourself. And that's huge. And, you know, to be able to have a space where you could do that or could do it with others and never feel alone on the journey. I just am very grateful for your story and sharing it because that's as founders, we have to share those stories. And I think that's what gets us through the difficult times. It helps us stand up when we fell and we're feeling like, oh, I just can't do it anymore. So yeah, I just wanted to share that. I, I realized as we were talking, all the stories fit into this <laughs> and it's fun. You know, I think that's the other thing is learning doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be, you know, these are exploring things you're curious about. Yes, you can do things that you need to level up and, and, it, and it's important, but yeah, it's a lifelong process and having a place that you could go and be fully who you are and have that freedom to explore, have that freedom to fail, uh, a safe you know, way to level up. I, I think those are all things that people crave and they have to like create their own environments. Um, but yeah, the digital environments where we really see such amazing opportunity for, you, you don't have to figure this all out by yourself. Um, and now we have this great community where it's gonna help connect you and align you better and in more real time based on like your path and where you're going and what circles you're deciding is 
interesting to you at that moment on your journey? Because everything changes. Uh, tomorrow, it might be totally different. You know, we'll have this talk, uh, I'm sure in another year, it'll be totally different. So, and, and yeah. how that kind of comes full circle, because the way our, our circles kind of bumped into each other was through Google Women Tech Makers, which was just all based on our alignments there. So, you know, we're seeing this happen in the real world. And I'm excited for more, more ways for all of us to collaborate and come together and, and do more.